you would remain standing, take your copies of God's Word and turn with me this evening to John chapter 13. John 13, we'll begin at verse 31, read tonight to the end of the chapter, verse 38. Hear now the word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. When he, that is Judas, had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening, we looked at verses 18 through 30 of John 13, and we saw the beginning of the betrayal of Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples of our Lord. We saw last Sunday evening how the betrayal, or Judas's betrayal of Jesus was a fulfillment of Scripture. It was a part of the humility of Christ, but also a warning for the church. And finally, we saw how Judas's betrayal of Jesus revealed the true heart of Judas. We look back at verse 30 of this chapter. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out and it was night. That disciple that would betray the Lord, he left, being under the control of Satan. He went out from among the disciples and the events that would bring about the death of our Lord on the cross, they have now been set in motion. And so now it is time for Jesus to begin his last teachings to those 11 disciples that were left. And we hear him say tonight that he gives them a a new commandment. A new commandment to love one another. Now as we hear that, we need to understand that this commandment to love was not new in any absolute sense. There are many, even in the church, who believe that the Old Testament, the Mosaic Law, 
knows nothing of love, but the Mosaic law and the Ten Commandments especially, it demands both our love for God and our love for our neighbor. But the newness of this command is in the fact that it is given a a new impetus and example by Jesus. It is an ancient commandment, as it were, dusted off, polished, and presented with power and beauty, as one commentator stated. And, And this commandment that Jesus gives to his disciples and to us tonight is the true fulfillment of the Ten Commandments. And so there are three things I want us to see concerning how we are to love one another. One another. The first is this. Christians loving one another is grounded or rooted in God's love for us. Now where do we see the love of God for us? Well, Paul tells us in Romans 5 and verse 8, but, but God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we were yet Sinners, Christ died for us. If you want to see the love that God has for you, you look to the cross. You look to the place where Jesus is now heading. Again, this is the final night uh, of our Lord upon this earth as He teaches His disciples, as he, he, He shares intimate moments with them. And they're going to see it firsthand. The love that Jesus had for each and every one of them as He died upon the cross. The ultimate expression of God's love for His people came in the form of God's only Son dying for sinners. It is at the cross in all of its ugliness and and gruesomeness that sinners see the, the beautiful love that God has for us. And so as we think of Christ's commandment to love one another, understand we can only love one another if we understand how God through Christ has first loved us. You might think to yourself, well, it was natural for God to love me because there's so much to love. The Bible says there's nothing lovely about us. There's nothing about us in our natural state that would draw God to us. No, we must be drawn to Him. And and it is that love that God has for us that draws us to Christ. Now, as we begin looking at the text in verses 31 through 33, you might say, well, it says nothing here in these verses about love. It talks about the Son being glorified by the Father. Again, verse 31, when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in Him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while, while I am with you, you will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. It was in that act of great love that Christ gave for his people in his death that he performed the greatest work with which the whole history of the entire universe ever witness or will ever witness as Arthur Pink states for for it the death of Christ centuries waited to it the centuries look back 
Jesus tells his disciples that the Son of Man is about to be glorified, is being glorified that very moment by the Father, and both the Father and the Son will be glorified. How? Well, by the death of Jesus. Now, how is that glory? When we think of death on the cross, it's shame. There's nothing, there's no glory in death upon the cross, but it, it is glory to God and to us in, in this, that, that through his death, Jesus reversed the conduct of the first man. This is what Paul tells us in Romans, that, that the first man, he, he did what? He sinned. He, he fell from that image of God that he was created in. But Jesus, being the second Adam, he did not fall. He did not fail in keeping God's commandments. He kept them perfectly in every way, in thought and word and in deed. And you see, that obedience by Jesus was needed so that he could then go to the cross and be that perfect sacrifice for sin. And through his death, Christ destroyed the power of the devil. He destroyed the power of Satan. It was Satan who tempted our first parents and who came to the woman and had her doubt whether or not God said certain things, whether or not God's word could be is trustworthy and could be true. And when Christ died, he destroyed that power of Satan. And so at the cross, the ransom was paid not to Satan. God paid the debt, or Christ paid the debt to the Father. And so by his death on the cross, Christ now, our mediator, is glorified at the right hand of God. But Jesus also says that God the Father is glorified in the death of the Son. You see, the power of God was glorified at the cross. The justice of God. You see, the, the justice of God was poured out upon our substitute so that we would not ever face it. The holiness of God was glorified at the cross. We serve a holy God tonight and sin cannot enter into His presence. And so the only way any of us could ever enter into the presence of God is that Jesus has paid our debt in full. But also the love of God was glorified at the cross. And you see, Jesus is pointing them to the cross. He tells them there in verse 33 that He's only going to be with them for a little while, just one night. This very night He will be betrayed, and, and the next day He will die. And so their time with Jesus is coming to an end. And he tells them, where I'm going, you cannot come. And so the first thing we need to understand tonight, that we are to love one another, but how we do that is grounded in the fact that God first loved us. Second, Christians loving one another is a mark of true discipleship. Verse 34, Jesus gives what he calls that new commandment. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. 
Now, this is not a suggestion by our Lord. He's not telling us when you feel like it, love one another. It is a command, love one another. This is the outworking of the law of God in our lives. We are to love first and foremost God. We are to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. But what type of love is Jesus talking about? Well, He tells us the same type of love that Christ has for us. And what is that love? It is a self-sacrificing love. It is a love that would sacrifice life itself. A love that is not focused on ourselves, but is focused on the needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, there are two errors that we sometimes commit. The first is this. We do not care about the needs of those around us. Now, and we might come up and say, well, how is your week? How are you doing? But we really don't go beyond that, do we? We don't care about those who are around us. The second error we commit is that we ourselves do not let others know our needs. And I think that's probably the the, the greater error that we make. We do not let our brothers and sisters in Christ know that that we are in need or that how they might help us and, and love us and care for us. You know, we are a communion of the saints, the church, a household of God. And so we are to be telling one another, if we, if we need prayer, we are to tell one another, pray for me. If we need help, we need to say, I, I need help. I, I need you to come alongside and, and help me in this way. And, and if we love one another, we do that. We, we hear those needs that our brother or sister has, and then we go and we meet them. But then this love is a a persevering love. Does does Jesus persevere with us? Does God persevere with us? Does God continually time and time again forgive us of our sins? And the answer is yes. We are forgiven in and through Christ because of what He has done on the cross. It's a love that does not dwell on our brother's failures but a love that will help them overcome those failures. And many times we, we dwell on the sin that our brother or sister commits, especially if it's against us, right? How dare you? How dare you sin against me? We're kind of like naming. We think we're more important than what we really are. But as we love one another, we persevere with one another. We persevere in grace just as we do in our relationship with God. We do that in our relationship with one another. Listen to what J.C. Ryle says. He says, yet if we mean anything when we profess to have charity and love toward men, it ought to be seen in our tempers and our words, our bearing and our doing, our conduct in every relation of life. Especially, it ought to show itself forth in all our dealings with other Christians. We should regard them as brothers and sisters and delight to do anything to promote their happiness. We should abhor the idea of envy, malice, jealousy towards a member of Christ and regard it as a downright sin. This is what our Lord means when He told us to love one another. 
And we are commanded by Christ to do just that. And, and notice what he says in verse 35. How will the world know if you're a Christian? How will they know whether or not you are in Christ? Well, he tells us by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Love is the distinguishing mark of true believers. Tertullian, he was a third century church father who ministered in Carthage, said that the heathen of his day said this of believers of his day, behold how these Christians love one another. Oh, that the world could say that of us tonight. That they see us in our interactions with one another and they, they say, oh, how those Christians love one another. And so this is the type of love that we are commanded to have. Again, we're not just to love one another when everything's going good and, and, and we are not making each other mad. No, even in the midst of, of maybe, maybe even... Anger that is justified. We are to love one another. But then third and finally, Christians loving one another must love Christ first and foremost. We come to Peter in our text. And Simon asked him, Lord, where are you going? Lord, where are you going and why can I not come with you? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. And, and Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. That sounds like Peter loves Jesus, doesn't it? And he did. Peter did love Jesus. He wasn't like Judas. Judas hated Jesus. Peter loved him. And Peter, in his mind, believed in his heart that he would lay down his life for Jesus. He believed that he would follow Jesus wherever he went. Peter loved Jesus to a degree, but he did not love him as much as he thought he did. And so the Lord brings Peter back down to earth. In verse 38, Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. And we will see later Peter doing just that. Denying the Lord three times. And so what was Jesus teaching Peter here? He was teaching them him especially, but all the disciples, but especially Peter, that in order to love one another, we must first love Jesus first and foremost. It is Jesus who must have first place in our hearts. We are, are not to have idols that we love more than our Lord. If we do not love Jesus first and foremost in our lives, then we cannot love one another. Again, we go back to the fulfillment of law, the the, the Ten Commandments. What do the first four commandments teach us? How to love the Lord our God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is the only way, if we love God in that way, that we then can love our neighbor as ourselves. And the last six of those Ten Commandments tell us exactly how to do that. 
And so Peter needed to understand that he must love Jesus more than anyone or anything else. And he will soon see that his love for Jesus wasn't what he thought it was. Now as we hear this, because last week we heard of Judas, right? And we know what will happen to Judas. Judas will go on and betray the Lord. He then will try to return the money he betrayed the Lord for, but it's blood money, they will not take it. And ultimately Judas goes out and he hangs himself. Peter will go not for money, but he will go out and deny Jesus. Not once, not twice, but three times. And what will come of Peter? Well, Jesus will look at Peter after he denies him, and Peter will be a broken man. He will be a broken man that will, that will be raised up by Jesus after his resurrection. He will go on and he will boldly proclaim the gospel of Christ. Why? Because he will then love Jesus as he should. And so what application can we make here this evening? Well, the first is a question for us to answer. Do you love everyone? in the church of Jesus Christ. Again, we are called to love one another tonight. Now, again, if we're honest, we, we are all difficult to love. If you don't think you are and you're married, go ask your spouse. They will tell you. Yeah, there's sometimes you're difficult to love. Uh, again, are, are we to stop loving when we're difficult to love or the other person is difficult to love? The answer is, it is no. If we're honest, we all do and say things that do not exhibit love to one another. That's part of being in a family. You know, we have our, our blood relatives, we have our blood kin, and, and yet we are a closer family in the church, and even those we are related to by blood. Why? Because we are connected in the church by the blood of Christ, and we all have one thing in common, and that is the salvation we have in Jesus. And yet we are, and yes, we are called to love. And if we are honest, there are times that we do not love one another in this church as Jesus commands us to do. And so do you have that love that Christ commands us to have for one another? Now, if not, the second thing we must do is repent. We must repent of our lack of a love for one another. We are to turn from that and we are to begin loving one another as, as Christ commands us. And we do so, why? Because God in Christ first loved us and we were unlovable. Understand that. God did not have to love any of us. Again, after our first parents fell into sin, God rightly and justly could have condemned them to hell for all eternity. He could have condemned them under His judgment. But He didn't. Have you ever asked why? And the short answer is this. Well, because He loved His people from before the foundation of the world. Understand that God loved you before you were even thought of in this world by, by your parents or anyone else. 
Before the foundation world, before God created anything in this world, He chose us in that love to know Jesus Christ. And because of that, if we see that we are not loving one another as we ought, then we should quickly repent of that. God showed us His love for us in the death of Jesus. One of the saddest things in the life of the church in general, I'm not saying this church particularly, but in general, is this, when, when Christians will not forgive other Christians for something they've done to one another. But yet we expect God to forgive us for everything we do against Him. And so part of that love is forgiving one another. Jesus forgives us of all of our sins that we commit against Him. And, and we are to do the same. You know, Peter also asked the Lord, Jesus was teaching his disciples this at another time. And, and, and Peter, in his mind, was being very generous when Jesus was talking about forgiving one another. And he says, Lord, seven times, right? That's, that's enough. Surely, Lord, the eighth time that that person sins against me, I don't have to forgive them. And what did Jesus say? Peter, not seven times, 70 times seven. What was Jesus saying there? If you love your brother any time they sin and they come and they repent of that sin, you forgive them. Because this is what God does for us. And finally tonight, the only way we can love one another is if we love Christ first and foremost. And so do you love God tonight with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind with all of your strength. When you look at those first four commandments of the Ten Commandments, can you say, yes, I, I love God the way that those first four commandments tell me to love? The answer is many times we don't. Even if outwardly we're loving God, inwardly we're not. Now hopefully we're better than what we once were. It's called sanctification, right? We're being conformed more to the image of Jesus. And we love God more today than when we first came to faith in Christ. But there are times we do not love God as we ought. And because of that, there are times we do not love one another as we ought. But if we fail to love God and to love one another, then we are not a true believer in Jesus. You see, that's the difference between Judas and Peter. Judas hated God. And in turn, hated the rest of the disciples. Peter loved God. And he loved those very men that he was with that night. And he did love Jesus, even though he would deny him three times. You see, those who refuse to love a fellow believer in Christ are those who do not truly know Christ. Again, Jesus tells his disciples, by this people will know. By this, people will know if you are a disciple of Christ. If you love one another. And so tonight, do people know that you're a disciple because of the love you have for your brothers and sisters in this church? If not, repent of that. And if you have no true love of God tonight, or for God, or for Jesus this evening then ask Him to give you that love.
Ask Him to pour out His love upon you in mercy and grace. Ask Him to save you so that you know the love that Jesus has for sinners. And then as you come to Christ tonight, as you repent of your sin and come to Jesus, you will know what it means to love God. And you will know what it means to love your neighbor for the very first time. And you will be able to go out tonight from this place knowing that you are loved by God and knowing that you are to love those who are also loved by God. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. May God add his blessing upon the preaching of his word. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you tonight that we can be reminded of the importance of loving one another in your church. And Lord, there are many tonight who never darken the doors of a church because they say the church can be an ugly place. And Lord, we confess that sometimes it can be. And forgive us this evening for not loving one another as we ought. Forgive us, O God, for not loving you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And O God, may we keep this new commandment that Jesus gives to us to love one another. And I pray for any who are here tonight that they... They do not know of your love for sinners. God, would you open up their hearts tonight? Show them how much you love sinners. Show them, Lord, their need of salvation if they are in need of salvation. And change their hearts. Whereby they can know this night that they are loved by you and come to love you. And then be able to love others. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.